that made up the wall, the way the ceiling arched overhead. Then, like some amusement park optical illusion, curled downward to a vanishing point. At least not from any living being, he said. You're worried. She glanced at his bare right hand, her brown eyes shadowed. He looked, too. In this dim passage, his fingernails glowed with a faint blue light. He flexed his hands, containing the power inside. Yeah. Hey, back there! Don't be such chickens! Gary called. Max says we're almost there! His voice echoed along the long, dark tunnel and came back amplified, enlarged. Pebbles fell from the ceiling in showers. Shit, John muttered. Not so loud! I'll be as loud as I like, Gary shouted. Again the amplified voice, again the rain of pebbles, but more this time. Something immense thumped behind them, shaking the floor, rattling John's confidence. He turned. Sun He shone her flashlight over the huge stone that now blocked their way out. Not totally. It was possible to climb over it and back to the outside world, but the easy way had vanished. Gary would be delighted, and that was the trouble with Gary. John respected him, he really did, because Gary was older in his early forties and charismatic as all hell. Gary had joined the Chosen Ones when he had been a brilliant, handsome, fit eighteen-year-old. He'd been elected the leader, of course, and stayed at the top for the required seven years— Traditionally, after one term, most of the Chosen opted to become part of the real world again, bankers and ranchers and tour guides, people who knew more than they should about the battle between good and evil, but who no longer served on the front lines. Not Gary. He had stayed to command a second team, then a third, and now he directed this group. In the last two years, John had seen Gary fly an airplane, discover a previously unsuspected Mayan ruin in Guatemala, trek across the Sahara Desert, and rescue a kitten for a grateful old lady. The man was impressive. But no challenge was big enough for Gary, no victory decisive enough. If he thought the mission was too easy, he looked for ways to make it harder— Before John had joined the Chosen, he'd been part of the military. You didn't go looking for death. That wasn't the way it was done. You prayed it didn't come looking for you. Oh, he didn't say anything. But lately, he'd been wondering if it was smart to follow an adrenaline junkie. Worse, he suspected Gary knew of his doubts. The man was, after all, a mind reader. And John feared those doubts drove Gary to new heights of daring. Aren't your hands cold? Sun He whispered and tucked her gloved hands into her armpits. I grew up in the Russian mountains and Siberia. About his origins, he was brief. None of the Chosen Ones knew their birth parents, but most of them didn't have a background like his. Frankly, most children didn't survive a background like his. Are you okay back there, Sun He? Gary called. She smiled, flattered, as they all were, by his attention. Yes, Gary. The big guy's not making you afraid with all his worrying? No, 
John is cautious, but always for good reason. John appreciated the sentiment, yet at the same time he almost wished she hadn't said it. Six feet tall, fit, with a head of black hair and compelling hazel eyes, Gary attracted women, all women. Amina was sleeping with him now, but it was John's impression that Gary had gone through every female who worked at the Gypsy Travel Agency. Every female chosen he'd ever had on his team, and had plans for every female not yet screwed. Sun He was one of those still untouched females. John didn't need to get into a pissing match because Sun He had spoken admiringly of him, and he really didn't want Gary to feel pressure to seduce Sun He sooner rather than later. Yet he said nothing when Gary called. Come on up and join us reckless ones. It's more fun than hanging around with that door rushing.